Well, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and a happy Lord's Day to all. I would invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings. We're continuing our study through uh, the lives of Elijah and now Elisha. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 38. 2 Kings 4, 38. In your pew Bible, it's on page 310. 310 in your pew Bible. Now, I'm sure that at least some of you have had a Mother's Day meal that didn't turn out quite as planned. Maybe your breakfast in bed this morning was a little bit more shell than it was egg, or the toast was offered but burnt with love. Maybe the coffee was a little bit closer to dark water than coffee itself. And anyone who has ever tried to cook has experienced messing up a meal every once in a while. It's frustrating and humiliating. All the time and effort you put into the meal is wasted. People are hungry and waiting and all the money you spent on the food will have to be spent again and all the time will never be recovered. However frustrating it may be for us, we can imagine how much more troubling it would be for those who lived in the 8th century B.C. when our passage is set. One commentator reminds us that in such societies, starvation and hardship were never far away. Disruption of the annual rainy season, molds and funguses from too much to too little rain, locust outbreaks or raiders who confiscate the harvest for their own were all right there waiting to take away their meals. The percentage of our budget that goes to food is very small compared to most cultures. And the time we spend gathering and preparing food is even a smaller part of our time. We can go to Kroger. We can go through the Chick-fil-A drive through to get food. We can even order Chipotle at our own homes through DoorDash. The last time dinner was burned at our home, I pulled the charred mess out of the oven, stuck it in the sink, and asked for everyone's McDonald's order. And yet... It takes most, if it takes most of your salary and the better part of your day to put dinner on the table, a burnt meal is a much bigger problem. It doesn't merely mean the frustration of changed plans, it means empty stomachs and a wasted day of work. And in our passage for this morning, we come across a group of men who are in the midst of a famine. And each meal means the difference between life and death. To ruin dinner during a famine is not just frustrating, it may be life-threatening. And the reason is, is because there is no hope once food is ruined. Right? You can't bring food back from being ruined. When the green beans are burned, you can't unburn them. A cup of salt goes into the batter instead of a cup of sugar and the cake is just ruined. You can't uncurdle milk once it's gone bad. There's no way I know of to re-moisten an overdone turkey on Thanksgiving except for to just cover it with gravy and chew a lot. (laughs) Once food is ruined, there's no hope. You might as well scrape it into the dog's bowl and hope he eats it. 
And yet we find in our passage a message of great hope for those of us who have ruined dinner more than their fair share of times. Those of us who tend to make mistakes in the kitchen or at work or even in our families will receive great encouragement this morning from God's Word because what we have in these few short verses is not just a story of a man ruining dinner, but rather the history of how God enters into the very most mundane aspects of our lives to take that which we have ruined and to bring His redemption. So hear now the word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, Set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God! There is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. He said, then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, pour some out for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you this day and we bless you for the testimonies of the prophets, for the statutes of your law, for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the witness of the apostles. We thank you, O glorious God, and we ask that you would grant us now your spirit of glory and brightness, that we might read and hear your word preached and understand. That through Christ Jesus our Lord we might know the hope of redemption. It's in His gracious name we do pray. Amen. Before I begin the following story, I have to let you know that I asked my wife if I could share it. So don't think that I'm a bad guy. Now... Once, when April and I were engaged, she decided that she was going to make a special dinner for me. And everything was going as planned as she prepared to fry some breaded chicken pieces, or so she thought. Apparently, the oil had gotten overheated, and when she dropped the chicken into the pan, the meat almost instantly burned. Smoke filled the kitchen, the fire alarm started blaring, beep, 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 and in an attempt to air out her apartment, April opened the sliding glass door to her back patio. Little did she realize that while the burning chicken smelled horrible to her, apparently it smelled delectable to a gang of cats that usually hung out by the apartment dumpsters. As this was going on, I 
came to the door and I could hear the fire alarm still going off. And so I opened the door without knocking to find poor April in her apartment filled with burnt chicken smoke, a fire alarm that wouldn't stop, and a herd of cats who had come in through the back door trying to find a lovely treat. It was quite a scene. For April, who was trying to prove her wifely abilities to her soon-to-be husband, she felt like it was a totally hopeless situation, although I found it quite hilarious. (laughs) She had a great intention, but there was no redeeming that meal. And in our passage, we find a a man who had a great intention. You see, it was his desire to find something for his friends to eat. The prophet Elisha had showed up for this special meal. And the text tells us that this man went out searching for some herbs that he could throw into the stew to add maybe some flavor to what was going to be a rather plain meal. But he makes a wonderful discovery, or so he thinks. Look down at the second half of verse 39. There it says, He found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds. You get this? He he took his shirt and he was like, Man, I really found something here. I'm going to fill up my shirt with these gourds. And came and cut them into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. When you're hungry, just about anything looks appetizing. And while this man was out, he found these wild gourds. Now, there's no way to know for sure what type of gourds these were. But most commentators agree that in all likelihood, they were this small orange colored fruit that is a bit like a melon. And they are extremely bitter and can cause horrible digestive issues. Without getting too graphic, we can just say this well-meaning prophet made ex-lax stew. (laughs) And you can imagine, if you're trying to survive a famine, that is the last thing you want happening to your body. This prophet had a great intention, but his plans fall apart. He thinks that he has finally found something with a little substance that he can eat and share, something that will fill their bellies at least for one night, but instead he ruins the meal and puts the life of his brothers in danger. Do you ever feel like this well-intentioned prophet in your own life? You ever feel the frustration of good intentions turning out horribly wrong? You were on to make a nice dinner, but instead you come close to burning down the house and starting a feline food riot? You want to do the laundry for your wife, but instead you dye everything pink with a new pair of red socks? You want to help mom out this Mother's Day by washing the dishes for her, but you end up breaking her favorite Villaroy and Bach platter? You work on a deal at work only to find out that the client is going to your competitors. You fill up your grandparents' new Cadillac only to find out that just because diesel is more expensive doesn't mean that it's better for a car that runs on unleaded. You share the gospel with your neighbor and now he avoids even venturing over to your side of his yard. 
You make friends with an unbeliever and you pour years of relational evangelism into them only to have them cut off ties for no apparent reason. You raise your children in the faith and they become adults who reject the church. There are many times when we willfully sin and mess up our lives. Yes. But what I'm talking about right now is the frustration of trying to do something right but messing it up by your own incompetence or by the sheer inability to know all the possible outcomes or contingencies. I'm talking about the thorns that infest the ground that you're trying to cultivate, the pain of bearing and raising children. For we live in a world where breaded chicken burns quickly and red socks do bleed into blouses. College-age children trust bad faith intro to religion professors. Unleaded cars don't run on diesel and clients move to competitors. Frustration is a part of life in a world where things are broken by sin. When our first father, Adam, sinned, he brought the curse of frustration to this world. Thorns and thistles now infest all of our efforts to bring forth abundance from the earth. And pain and hardship come in rearing children. At every turn there is frustration. And that is the word I would use to describe the first half of this passage. This prophet was trying to do something right. But he is frustrated. They cook the stew, serve it up. And whether by the taste or by their rumbling stomachs, they realize something is horribly wrong with dinner. Look at verse 40. It says, And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. Now, lest we forget to mention it, there is a double problem with making this poisonous stew for dinner on this particular occasion. You see, Elisha, the man of God, had come to visit these prophets. He had joined them for dinner. The pastor is coming for dinner tonight, and I'm going to make a new recipe for him. Please don't. (laughs) Stick with something that you're very familiar with. Don't go searching around your backyard for unidentified gourds to put in the meal that you will serve the pastor. Yet when the dinner is ruined, the prophets, these men, go straight to Elisha to address the situation. Look what happens in verse 41. Elisha said, then bring flour. Now we need to understand that flour isn't going to counteract the poisonous nature of this stew. There is something powerful and miraculous happening here. It says, and then he threw it into the pot and said, pour some out for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. You would have had to have been a brave and faith-filled man to take the first bite after you saw what had happened to everyone else. But the word of the prophet was that there would be no harm in the pot and dinner was saved. A redeemed dinner means everyone was saved as well. You see, the Lord can take all of our burnt meals and redeem them for His purposes. 
He can take all of our thorns, all of our frustrations, all of our hardships and redeem them for our good. There's great reason to have hope in this broken world, Christian. The Lord is teaching His people through this text that even when things do not turn out the way that they had planned, they still may turn out for our good. So what are you feeling frustrated about this day? Is there frustration at work? Do you feel like you should have advanced further than you have, but for some reason you're stuck? Are you feeling frustrated with your finances? You make out a budget? You listen to Dave Ramsey? You cut back on Biscuit Beal? You cancel your Netflix subscription? But every month there's an unexpected expense. The van needs a new alternator. You have to have a tooth pulled. The coil goes out in your air conditioner. You try and you try, but you just can't seem to get traction. You're trying to do something good, but not going forward at all. Maybe you're feeling frustrated with your body. Why can't I stay healthy? I mean, I cut back on Biscuitville. Why do I continue to feel so horrible? I eat a Mediterranean diet. I do what WebMD says and still no results. There are so many aspects of our lives that brings frustration to us. They bring us to the point of breaking down and giving up. When dinner burns, all that we can do is just throw it away. But what we learn from God's Word this morning is that He does not throw away those things that are ruined. Rather, He redeems them. He doesn't give up on His people who have been broken by sin, but rather He works to bring restoration through His Son, Jesus Christ. When our first parents rebelled against the Lord, they brought death into this world. And if God were like us, if He were like me, thanks goodness He is not, He would have just destroyed humanity and began again. He would have said, man, these were the first people I made and they've already gone off the rails. Let's just get rid of them and start anew. But that is not how the Lord works. That is not in His nature to throw out that which is broken. For He loves His creation. And He seeks to take that which is lost and to find it. He seeks to take that which is broken and fix it. He seeks to take that which is enslaved and to free it. He seeks to take that which is in darkness and make it light. He seeks to take that which is dead and to make it alive again. And because of our sin, there is death in the pot. It is mixed into the very fabric of our lives. It's baked into the cake of reality. But by His grace, God is moving to redeem what has been ruined by us. And that is our great hope, Christian. That in the midst of our failures and frustrations and pains and hardships, God is moving to bring redemption to your life. Now don't misunderstand. God is not going to remove all failures and frustrations and pains from our earthly life. Those things do continue. But the failures and frustrations do not lead to our ultimate destruction. For those who are in Christ, 
They do not lead to death, but ultimately to our redemption. Now, we have to admit that sometimes the smallest issues become the points of biggest frustration for us. Things like burnt dinners. For me, dealing with car seats is that little frustration that just seems to overcome me. Why hasn't somebody figured this one out yet? I know that there's a lot of engineers in our congregation. If you want to make some money, figure out how to do car seats well. There's an untapped market. But right now, you have straps and hooks and latches. Every car you put them in has a different setup. The nylon strap never wants to slide through the back of the seat. Now, thankfully, after having five kids, I've become somewhat proficient. But oh, the early days of trying to get that thing properly secured. There have been words spoken in the backseat of our van that I will not repeat from the pulpit. But they accurately describe how I felt at the time. And it's these small difficulties, these small hardships that become overwhelmingly frustrating because they reveal a bigger picture of our inadequacies and inability to make things go the way that we want them to go. These little frustrations pile up until they make us want to scream and yet they are often the last thing that we are willing to bring to the Lord. When we read our text, we might get the impression that this little dinner mishap is really beneath the Lord. I mean, isn't fixing dinner below God's pay grade? What does God care? Right? Can't they just throw the soup away and maybe, you know, provide some miracle soup through the prophet Elisha? Right? They provided miracle oil being poured out. Why can't he just provide some miracle soup? Why redeem this soup? And we might reason, what does God care about my frustration? I think many of us are taught not to complain about such little things. If your biggest problem today is getting a car seat incorrectly or burning your dinner, then you don't really have anything to complain about. God needs to deal with bigger things, like Ukrainian refugees and pandemics and the threat of nuclear war. Who cares if your toddler won't take a nap this afternoon? Who cares that the dishwasher ran without soap? Who cares that your car is making a rattle every time you turn on the air conditioning? Isn't it just ungrateful to bring God my daily frustrations? Shouldn't I just be thankful? Yet this is not what the Lord teaches us in His Word about failures and frustrations and pains and hardships. Because the Lord knows that the majority of our lives are not made up of major events like weddings and graduations and children being born. But rather, the fabric of our lives is mostly made up of small moments. Of frying chicken. Of waiting for the red light at Lakeside Drive. For vacuuming. Putting in car seats. Fixing the ice maker. Trying to figure out why the internet isn't working again. Disciplining children. Dealing with annoying co-workers, negotiating life with your spouse. Today we celebrate motherhood. And again, motherhood isn't merely about birthing a child at some point in the past. It's about 
the day in, day out life of little moments and little hardships and little pains and little frustrations. It's about a broken woman trying her best with a broken child every day in the mundane events of life to bring about love. With all of its frustrations and all of its pains and all of its burnt dinners. And if God is not interested in the small things of our lives, then He's not interested in much of what we do or who we are. But again and again we are shown that our frustrations are not below the Lord, but rather He desires to come to us and to meet every need where we are. We might believe that we need to spiritualize everything to make it acceptable to God, but there is not just, He is not just there to deal with spiritual needs. Yes, He is there to deal with our spiritual needs, but He is there to deal with all of your needs. And sometimes it's the grace to overcome a ruined meal. Dale Ralph Davis points out that it should be instructive to us that in the Lord's Prayer, our request for daily bread comes before our request for the forgiveness of sins. Because our lives are made up of needs. Some big, some small. And the Lord wants you, no matter what the need, to turn to Him that He might meet those needs. So bring your frustration to the Lord. Bring all your ruined meals to the Lord. Bring all your car seat frustrations to the Lord. And trust Him to redeem them. Not to make them go away, but rather to use the frustration of the moment to bring redemption in your life. Because He won't throw these frustrations out. He won't say they are too small. Rather, He will enter into the brokenness of your life and He will bring the wholeness. Of salvation through his son. In the book of Revelation, our King Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. Now, when he says all things, what he really means there is all things. Everything. Everything will be renewed. When the Lord Jesus returns, He will take all that has been broken, all that has been messed up, all the burnt dinners, all the frustrating failures, every aching back and parenting mishap. He will take them and He will bring redemption to them. For just as frustration entered the world through Adam, redemption has come into this world through the Lord Jesus Christ. For through the trespass of one, sin entered the world. And through his sin, death and frustration came into this world. And this death is not merely reflected in funerals. This death is manifested in all the hardships and struggles of our lives. All the thorns and thistles that come up as you are seeking to bring abundance forth from this world. It's manifested in crash hard drives and late Mother's Day cards. But through one man's obedience, life and righteousness is being restored to this creation. Through Christ's offering of Himself on the cross, He is bringing redemption to all things, reconciling to Himself all things through the blood of His cross. 
Because ultimately all of these frustrations, all of these hardships are pointing to the fact that our lives are broken and ruined by sin and we need His blood poured out on the cross to redeem us from our sin. That as we look to Him in faith, we know the hope and the assurance that is spoken to us in Romans 8. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. This verse does not mean that everything will be happy for Christians in this world. Of course not. It doesn't even mean that you will understand why all hardships have come into your life. But what it does mean is that those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can live every moment of their life with confidence that on the day of Christ's return, it will be revealed how He has redeemed every moment for our salvation and His glory. So this Mother's Day, don't allow the frustrations of this life to turn you away from the Lord, but rather, with each hardship, with each struggle, turn to the Lord, offer them to Him, and know that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, all things will be redeemed. Death will be taken, and life given in return. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come to you as a a people who are broken, a people who experience frustration in so many aspects of our lives. We thank you for what you give to us in your word, for it meets us. Lord, in the mundane, in those things that we might think we need to deal with on our own. And you call to us that we would come to you with each need. Oh, would you fill each need through the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, and bring redemption. We pray it in his holy name. Amen.